You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Week two in the books outside of uh, a Detroit Lions Green Bay Packers Monday night football game that we will touch on. This is the Unreasonable Odds podcast. I am Julian Edlow. You can follow me on Twitter at Julian Edlow. He is Steve Buchanan. You can follow him on Twitter at SBuchanan24. We are the Unreasonable Odds podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Unreasonable Odd. Drop the S. Singular. Um, find all our content on there on Sunday morning. We put out our best bets from ourselves and uh, veteran odds maker, Dave Sherapan that joined the show. They went three Very and true. zero, So worthwhile to uh, maybe give some clicks, give some listens to the unreasonable odds pod. And uh, we will, we will kind of fly through week two, do some week three previews here, but uh, we will start it per usual with one of our new segments, cash it or trash it. We will start with, uh, with cash it. I will go ahead and start. Our cash hits kind of overlap a little bit, as did our best yeah. bets on the podcast, as did our best bets on the sweat on Sunday. Um, I didn't feel like messing around with points. Patriots, Broncos, money line parlay, solid, tight, two teams. We're not messing around with more. Um, it was around minus 108, minus 109, standard juice as if you were betting a spread. Both teams covered, which is nice. Both teams obviously won. The two road favorites got there. No, uh, no disaster, avoided disaster in, in week two. Um, the Patriots and Broncos looked fine. It's the Jets and the Jaguars that looked awful. And that's something that we can kind of get into about week three. Are these teams just fades? Because once again, both of them are yeah. more than a touchdown underdog on DraftKings Sportsbook in these early week three lines. So cash it with the, uh, I wrote it up as a three unit play on, on DK playbook. Um, biggest bet of the weekend Broncos Pats money line parlay gets there. Yeah. I had uh Patriots minus five and a half minus six, whatever. I didn't care what the, what the line was going to be. Cause I had absolutely no doubt that this team was going to absolutely smash the jets. And that's exactly what happened. Wasn't even a sweat. I think I was yawning by the, uh, five minutes into the first quarter. Cause I knew that this was going to be a no doubter 25 to six for the Patriots on that one. So they covered any spread that you got it at, whether it was at minus five and a half or minus six, because it kept flip-flopping all throughout the week. Um, and the biggest thing was like, I thought that Zach Wilson wasn't going to get the ball out. Cause they're going to be constantly getting him under pressure. They only sacked him a couple of times. It's just Zach Wilson kept handing them the ball and getting multiple interceptions. So, so Zach Wilson's four interceptions in week two were more than he threw last season at BYU. 
that's un- that's unbelievable. That's absolutely incredible. But you know, it, this kind of goes back to the narrative that you know Bill Belichick thrives against these rookie quarterbacks. Don't need Tom Brady uh, to do that to to take them down. So that was an easy one. Um, I, I felt like that line was just so mispriced as it was because they should have been way bigger favorites than they were. Not complaining because I'll happily take that five and a half. But that was an easy one. Yeah. Speaking of Patriots, Tom Brady cashing it. The Bucks had you included them in that teaser that we talked about last week at six and a half, cashed. The Bucks yep. at minus 12, 12 and a half, 13, cashed. Um, I yeah, told you. Falcons. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I might have slipped Bucks money line into the <laughs> but maybe, who knows? Maybe it was something I threw on Twitter that was something along the lines of Alabama, Browns, Bucks, Packers going into Monday Night Football, and maybe I have something that I need to sweat tonight. Um, hmm. which by the way, we'll talk to Johnny Avello, um, director of race and sportsbook operations, uh, at drafting sportsbook later in the unreasonable odds podcast. You'll want to stick around for that. Um, for our segment odds are with Johnny Avello, we will talk about, uh, this Monday night football game, because according to drafting sportsbook splits, drafting DK sportsbook, Twitter, some big bets, not just on the lines with the points, but with the lions, um, to money line in this game. People think Green Bay is that bad after week one, but yeah. we can touch on that uh, a, a little bit later. All right, so for the trash hit portion of uh, NFL week two, I'm going to use two here, both LA teams, the Rams minus three and a half, the Chargers minus three. I had them both, um, and I was not pleased with either. I thought I, I thought I deserved to win both, and I went 0-2 on those two. So trash them both. The Rams were covering for the majority of the game, wound up winning on a game-winning field goal, lose by the hook. But you take away that botched punt in the end zone that Indy got a touchdown on. A special teams punter, that's what cost me the spread there. It was the public side, but I thought it was the right side. That's why I stuck with it versus hedging out where I thought, you know what, Kansas City's not the right side on Sunday night. I'm going to hedge out on Baltimore. That wound up working out. On the Chargers trash it, I mean – the Cowboys at some point in time, it's going to catch up with them. Yeah. The Cowboys got either received free points or had Tampa leaving free points on the table. 16 points I, I accounted for in week one. On Sunday in week two, the Chargers have two touchdowns called off the board, some missed field goals, some interceptions in the red zone by Herbert. The Chargers could have scored 21, 24 more points in that game. And Dallas wins it on a game winning field goal that, they say they're getting into field goal range. You don't want to leave it up to a 56-yarder with the clock ticking down. That's what they did. They made it. It was lucky. The Chargers, the, the Cowboys, I don't know if it's going to be in week three on Monday Night Football against Philly, but at some point in time, the 40 or so points that they have had their opponents leave on the table in two games is going to start to catch up to them. Right, no doubt, and, and 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 that was a frustrating one too because that was one of the highest over-unders uh, on, the, on the week and, and the point wasn't even close. Yeah. 20, uh, 25 points, I think, or 28 points, I think was going into the half. And then obviously nothing really came during the second half. Uh, my trash it is going to be the Eagles money line. I, that was my favorite underdog play of the week. Really that game was up for anybody here. Final score 17, 11 in favor of the 49ers. Neither team could just get into the red zone uh, during the first half. I think the first red zone play actually came uh, midway through the second quarter. There was only 10 points scored uh, in the half between both teams. They just were not able to get into the red zone. A lot of punts in that game. And then obviously Jalen Hurts uh, had a touchdown call back to Devontae Smith, his guy. Uh, That was obviously one of the biggest factors as well. But, you know, 
trashing that one. Uh, I felt good about the Eagles. I felt like it still was the right play, uh, seeing how that, that game played out. But obviously, it just doesn't work out. So, uh, unfortunately, one of the better value plays on the board, in my opinion, a plus 135, I believe, is a close that for the Eagles. Trash that one, baby, and cash it. Honorable cash it mention to the Panthers, who I wrote up at plus yeah. three and a half in my best bets article, won by a landslide. But honorable mention it because I was the only one of the three of us with Dave last week to get my underdog correct. The Carolina Panthers. The rest of you guys are bozos. Let's transition into Monday night here. 12-point spread. The Lions, who backdoored the 49ers, if you got the closing number in week one, go to Green Bay to play an extremely disappointing, unprepared Packer team that got smoked by the Saints in week two. Now it looks even worse because the Saints go on to get smoked by the Panthers. Um, You know... Johnny Avello will, will tell you we're, we're seeing all this uh, in, in our odds on Johnny Avello segment that Lions money's coming in, which yep. perplexes me, not just to cover the near two touchdown spread, but to win the game. The Packers have had extra time to prepare for the Monday night home game, divisional game against a team that stinks. They're going to win this game. I don't know about the 12. I think that the some leans here are, are maybe a minus seven first half play. Um, there's a lot of player props that, that I like, um, that I'll get into in a second, but what do you got Steve on, um, on this Monday night football game? You look at the spread and it's currently at minus 12 as we record this. It's a massive spread. And obviously you're probably leaning towards the lions because of that, but this is where Aaron Rodgers has thrived coming off the loss against the spread. He is 44, 23 and one in his career. If you want to stretch that even further. At Lambeau, Rodgers was the minus 13 spread or less, 55, 23, and 7. He is absolute money in these scenarios, uh, hitting at a clip of 66% or better. So that makes me want to lean to the, to the Packers in this one. Like, I know how bad they looked last week. I know how bad the Detroit Lions looked last week. But when I'm sitting here trying to play this game out through my head, who is Jared Goff going to throw to in this game? to help them cover this spread. Is it TJ Hawkinson? He throws yes. to the tight end and the two running backs. And because I will both say running though, backs are better than any receiver they have. Which is very true. But TJ Hawkinson is not in for a good matchup against a Packers team that is very good against opposing tight ends. I think he'll get over his yardage prop, which is at 55 and a half, just because of necessity. But TJ Hawkinson alone is not going to allow you to beat this Packers team. Um, I'm going to side with the Packers in this one. I hate laying money down on spreads that are, you know, in the double digits here, but I still don't see a scenario where the Detroit lions are going to cover this, you know, this, uh, this massive spread here as, as terrible as it feels. If anything, I might be more inclined to take the under 49, but it's a, it's a tough one. I, I still, I still think that the Packers at, at 12 uh, can cover. Yeah. Nothing for me on the full game. Like I said, I, I do, I did maybe slip in a heavy favorites money line parlay uh, that relies on closing out with the Packers tonight, um, which I feel good about. If I played anything on any number, I would play the minus seven first half. I think Green Bay gets out to a hot start after that game. And it plays into what we saw from the Lions getting smoked out of the gates last week before that ridiculous backdoor. For me, I think this is a good prop game to look at. Um, So two jump out to me. Uh, juice. You got to lay juice here. 
Jared Goff to throw an interception is minus 185. Jared Goff's going to throw an interception. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's going to be, I know you don't care, but it's a little bit of a weather game. Could be a little sloppy in Green Bay on Monday night. I don't care um, about that. Detroit's going to be trailing, so they're going to be throwing more. They're going to be desperate more for a big play that's easier to, to force a turnover on. Goff getting picked off is a prop that I, I really like, and he was last week. He threw a pick six to, uh, to the 49ers. Um, I just think without the coaching, without McVay and replacing him with Dan Campbell and Anthony Lynn uh, doesn't work very well for this Detroit offense. And then on the other side, Aaron Jones last week had five carries for nine yards. He was awful. He wasn't <laughs> part of the game plan at all. He couldn't be after Green Bay just went down big early. Yeah. Aaron Jones minus 120 anytime touchdown scorer against a Detroit defense that is just dreadful against the run, gave up rushing touchdowns to – uh, Eli Mitchell and um, who's the third stringer in San Francisco? All the backs are hurt now. Hastings. It can't even tell anymore. <laughs> yeah. It gave up two rushing touchdowns to San Francisco last week. Aaron Jones minus 120 to get a rushing touchdown. Jared Goff minus 185 to throw an interception. Those are my two favorite props in Monday Night Football. Um, my favorite prop actually involves Jared Goff, and it's over 35 and a half pass attempts at minus 105. That just seems really low for somebody who just threw the ball 57 times last week against the 49ers when they were trailing. If the spread is any indication of how this game's going to go, he's in that same scenario again in this game. So you're telling me that uh, I need uh, tw- almost 20 less pass attempts than last week to hit the over? Like, I will absolutely take that. They should be playing from behind. Jared Goff's going to have to be playing catch-up against Aaron Rodgers, who an angry Aaron Rodgers, you know, a lot of memes about him, probably doesn't like that either. Hair slick back, looks weird. Whatever that does, that's either neither here nor there, but uh, over 35 and a half, uh, that just feels too low uh, for a game that is the Lions are, are expected to be trailing by double digits. I did not like how Aaron Rodgers looked, uh, not on the field as a football player, but uh, as an individual. At the press week, conference. Wasn't into the look. Um, no. I actually forgot a third prop because I really like this game for player props that goes hand in hand with yours is Jamal Williams, former Packer, revenge game at Lambeau. Yes. Over two and a half receptions. Um, is it was two and a half receptions what you were going to say, or was it something? Uh, else? no, I actually have him also for any time touchdown at plus 250. Okay, I, I don't, I don't hate that. I don't know how much the Lions can score, but I don't hate that at plus 250. Um, Williams was the starter over Swift, and now Swift is yeah. dinged up going into this one. We'll see how much he plays. Um, Williams caught eight of nine targets for 56 yards against San Francisco. Yep. I, He's not going to catch three more checkdowns with what the Lions have at receiver with the matchup Hawkinson has that you touched on. I can see Williams and Swift both going over their receiving props, but I think Swift's at four and a half receptions and Williams at two and a half. Give me Jamal Williams minus 140 over two and a half receptions in this one as well. Monday Night Football, big prop game for me. And you can find all those props written up on the DK playbook in my Monday Night Football Best Bets article. And I will mention that it is worth noting that Swift did log a full practice on Saturday, so he is expected okay. to be good to go, but obviously was dinged up during the week, so just something to keep an eye on. All right, cool. Um, so let's bring, uh, let's bring Johnny Avello in here for uh, Odds Are with Johnny Avello. All right, everybody. It is an NFL Monday on the Unreasonable Odds podcast, which can only mean one thing. The director of race and sportsbook operations, Johnny Avello, is here to join us for Odds Are with Johnny Avello, the man himself. Johnny, how are you doing on this Monday afternoon? Great morning. Thank you very much. 
Um, all right, let's dive right into it because it was another completely unpredictable weekend in the NFL. Uh, let's start with that wild Sunday night game. Um, I don't think there was a book out there that didn't need the Ravens to pull this one out, but you look at the DK Sportsbook splits, the most bet game of the weekend, um, the most bet side, obviously, Kansas City minus three and a half. The second most bet underdog of the week on DK Sportsbook was Baltimore plus three and a half. Just to tell you, show you how much handle this game got. Um, the last splits that I was able to get my eyes on from DK Sportsbook, 92% of the handle Kansas City spread, 82% of the handle um, Kansas City money line. So how badly did the books need, need Baltimore on this one? Well, as you said, it was by far the biggest handle of any matchup on the board. And it did turn out to be our largest revenue producing game of the day. Uh, there was a significant late push on the Baltimore uh, money line. So we did fill the pockets of those who yeah. took the plus 170 on the home team Ravens. Fortune favors the bold. Um, a little follow up here because as a better, I had this type of situation circle i kind of wanted the chiefs earlier in the week and and i took it small i wrote it up on DraftKings uh on dk playbook um that i was leaning towards the chiefs and then when i saw that you know we're floating around 90 percent of the money all week on kansas city but this number doesn't move it reminded me exactly of packers minus three and a half in week one which i fell right into and said i'm not going to do it i'm getting out i'm getting in on on baltimore a little bit here I can't fall into this trap twice again, uh, two times in two weeks. Um, do you see comparisons kind of in, in that situation? And are those usually the spots that you want to fade the public? Well, you know, in the Packer game, you really didn't even have a chance in that one. So you but can't yeah. even compare the two. Uh, so uh, I think it was an apples to oranges uh, comparison there. Um, you know, sometimes when you have, when you're handicapping and you have an opinion, you need to go with it. Uh, you know, you start looking around and perusing and see other data, and sometimes that throws you off. So I think you, sometimes it's best to go with your your initial gut and initial gut reaction and what you've handicapped up to that point. All right. So the Bears felt like the the kind of sharp play of the week. Um, I heard multiple current or former bookmakers give them out as their best bet of uh, week two, including uh, sportsbook consigliere Dave Sharapan was on this podcast on Thursday and gave out the Bears as uh, as his best bet. How do you handle a game like that where it looks like the public is is loving the Bengals? There's about two thirds or so of of the tickets there and the number is shrinking but the money is pretty much split on, on Chicago and Cincy. Some of the sharp money was actually on the opening number of the Bengals plus four, but the public jumped on the Bengals at plus three and plus two and, and the money line. We went as right. low as bears one and a half. And we settled that too. And at those lowers, lower numbers that seemed to create the best two way action. We actually did okay to the game, but actually would prefer to stay away from those type of movements. Anytime you're crossing three and you're around key numbers and you, you know, you're higher and go lower. Uh, I, I, that, that gives me kind of the shiver. So uh, rather just get on solid numbers and stay there. Right. Um, all right. So let's talk about two of the biggest movements when it comes to overreaction lines in week two. One of them we talked about 
last week on Monday, and that was the Arizona-Minnesota line. Uh, we also had New Orleans and Carolina. The look-ahead line there was a pick em. Obviously, New Orleans looks great against Green Bay in week one. That one gets up to, I think it touched four at times, um, and it looked like a lot of late Carolina money came came in there. The Cardinals had about 85% of the tickets, I think it was. The Saints looking at around 75% of the tickets. Um, Carolina won convincingly. The Vikings, frustrating loss, but, you know, good teams win, great teams cover, and that's exactly what the Vikings did in that spot. What was your thought process kind of throughout the week when you know that these two lines are are off by a few points based on on the look ahead, but it's the favorites that are that are taking the the money from the public after those impressive week one performances? Yeah, it's actually two straight frustrating losses for the Vikings. True. You know, Kirk, Kirk Cousins is playing about as well as you could expect, and so is Dalvin Cook. Uh, the defense is what has let them down. Vikings power rating is as high as the Cardinal rating. And this game was solely about home field advantage. So we opened Arizona two and a half. We closed at three and a half. It ended up being a good game for the house. On the Saints end, they were impressive in week one. But was that all really Saints related? Or was that just an unprepared Packer team? Uh, Carolina in week one shut down the Jets run. And Darnold McCaffrey were both solid. We opened that Saints line three points. It was a road favorite. And that's where we closed. Yeah, the I mean the Saints one is is interesting because Jameis Winston had those five touchdown passes with 148 passing yards. I think it was not many yards uh, in the Carolina one, so we haven't really seen that offense move the ball much, despite you know kind of falling into five touchdown passes in Week One. Um, the other side of that Week One matchup with the Saints, let's touch on on the Packers on Monday Night Football really quick here, growing to a 12 point favorite at home over the Lions. I think we all expected that. Um, both double digit favorites on Sunday won by double digits, but the Browns did not cover. They just won by 10 as uh, nearly a two touchdown favorite there. Tampa rolled Atlanta by, by 23. Um, the money on this game seems, seems a little bit more surprisingly even than the other huge favorites though. Um, given how poorly I think the Packers played in, in week one, do you expect a late surge on the Packers going into Monday night football or will betters really invest in this dreadful Lions team. I just saw a tweet before we recorded from DK Sportsbook on a monster Lions money line bet at DK Sportsbook. Yeah, by the time this game kicks off, this line will settle probably at Packers 11 or 11 and a half. It's difficult for a better to jump in and lay double digits on a team that really didn't have a preseason and had 230 total yards of offense in season week one. I'll tell you what we're seeing right now. We're seeing, you talked about that one big bet. We're seeing an abundance of bets on the Lions money line at the price of 460. So if the Lions get home tonight, uh, there's going to be some happy campers there because that's where the money's showing up right now. Personally, I don't see it, but honestly, like I, I tweeted out a big favorites money line parlay that I thought was just kind of entertaining with Alabama football. Um, the Browns and the Bucks and the Packers. And I said, just t- for fun, like, you know, tell me where this one loses. And everybody was coming in saying the Lions. So they're putting their money where their mouth is, as, as you are letting us know by, by actually backing Detroit money line. Yes. Um, I want to talk look ahead lines with you for a second, because I think they're really interesting. The, the casual bettors aren't thinking 
a week ahead, but there can be so much value in getting to a game early. The perfect example, Thursday night football. Carolina is now, last I looked, a seven and a half point road favorite in Houston. Had you bet this game on Sunday morning, I believe it was Carolina minus four available out there. So the the Panthers have a convincing win over the Saints, who everybody was high on from week one. The Texans not only lose to the Browns, but lose their quarterback, likely in Tyrod Taylor, in uh, in the process. And now the spread nearly doubles. So what type of thought process goes into these look-ahead lines? Is it kind of if the game were played today when you're putting it out, or is there more anticipation on what may happen between now and kickoff being used? Well, we don't know what's going to happen. So, you know, no, we don't have the crystal ball. So the minus four that you were seeing early is what the game would have been if the game was played this past Sunday. Okay. But we used to lose in Tyrod Taylor, as you mentioned, and then Stanford rookie Davis Mills is going to be set to start. That's the bulk of the move from the four to the seven and a half. Now, there is also a slight adjustment in both teams' power ratings. That's the rest of it. Um, so that's how we, we look at – we do look ahead, and, you know, we say this will be the line as long as everything goes where we think it will go. But, you know, things change. Uh, certainly from weeks one and two, you'll see the biggest changes of all. So f- would it be fair to say, I guess, if Tyrod Taylor stayed healthy and – Houston still lost but covered in Cleveland. This would have and and Carolina looks really good. This would have moved more to like a four and a half, five. Exactly. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So Tyrod Taylor worth a few points there. Um, all right. Finally, as we did last week, let's close out with kind of uh, a look ahead here at week three, beyond the Thursday night game into into the weekend. Um, what games have you seen that have taken the most money so far on the week three board and which games do you expect the number to, to move the most between now and Sunday? Well, there have been a few games that have moved against teams because of the quarterback status. So the Mm -hmm. Titans three and a half to five and a half over the Colts. That's a Wentz questionable and the Raiders one and a half to four over the Dolphins. And that's an uncertain to a T. But the one move where the Bears really approve of the team losing their quarterback is the Bears at the Browns. Uh, Dalton is out. Justin Fields is in. The line has plummeted from the Browns minus nine to minus seven and a half. So uh, interesting how two quarterbacks are out, another's out, but the line has dropped. Uh, I think another game where you'll see a switch in favorites is the Seahawks at the Vikings. We opened the Seahawks at two and a half road favorite. It's now down to one and a half, and I wouldn't be surprised to see the game flip. Wow. So even with an 0-2 uh, Vikings team there, just being at home against Seattle coming off the OT loss, that's Minnesota's going to take some money there, you think? Pretty good 0-2, though, right? I mean, A very uh, good 0-2. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, uh, I think what the batters will say, they'll see that 0-2. Uh, they'll see the Seahawks uh, kind of struggle on the road at times. Uh, you know, through the last couple of years. And then, and maybe that's where the, the the players will say, okay, it's time for the Vikings to get a win. Um, one last one here for you, because I think it's really interesting that Andy, Dal- a starting quarterback can get hurt. And that makes a line move in the other way because the backup is coming in and betters like that. And the numbers start shrinking off the top of your head. Can you think of any other team in the NFL that that would happen with right now? I don't know about right now. Uh, you know, the Justin Fields has been pointed to as a starting quarterback in that for that team. Um, he 
they were hoping that he could possibly be the starter for week one. But I think it was the right move to use Dalton. They did go out and get Dalton. Uh, but we knew it was just a matter of time uh, for him to jump in. I don't think anybody right now would make that type of impact. Uh, is Justin Fields as good as Andy Dalton? I don't know. He certainly doesn't have the experience, but he sure has the tools that Andy Dalton does not have. So, um, no, no I, I think that's about the, the only guy that could make that type of impact, as well as we've seen on some of the other teams losing quarterbacks and the line moving three points. Yeah. All right. Well, that is uh, that is a week two recap and a week three look ahead with the director of race and sportsbook operations, Johnny Avello. Another uh, another odds are with Johnny Avello in the books. Johnny, thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll talk to you on Unreasonable Odds next Monday. Thank you. Talk soon. All right. Great stuff there, as always, from uh, Johnny Avello on the Unreasonable Odds podcast. And uh, we will take that information and go right into the week three board here. One of the things that I found most interesting talking to Johnny there was um, that I wanted to talk to him about the value and look ahead lines, because this Thursday night game, Carolina at Houston, if you wanted to bet this on Sunday morning, you got Carolina minus four. If you want to bet it on Monday, you're getting Carolina minus seven and a half. Now, like Johnny just told me there, the majority of that is Tyrod Taylor's injury, which he's likely not going to play. He said that accounted for the bulk of this three and a half point swing. However, a half a point to a point is based on Houston losing to Cleveland, although we all expected that. And more so Carolina blowing out a Saints team that everybody was high on. So here we are, just as we expected, Sam Darnold leaves the Jets. Now he's a road touchdown favorite. Uh, all you have to do is get away from the Jets, and here you are. Um, I like this as a teaser leg. Ah. Week three, I do. The Panthers are going to win this game. I know. I know. I just I, – I hate the short weeks, um, putting them in teasers. That's the only qualm that I have in this one here. Other than that, nothing makes me think that the Panthers are going to lose this game. To uh, you just need them, yeah, right. Uh, you just need them to win. Uh, they because when you tease them down to six, it's at well, it's at one, uh, one and a half. So excuse me, one but yep. um, you know, I, I get it. Like this should be a great teaser piece. Uh, I was actually talking about this on Twitter between uh, Panthers and Cardinals. Those were, were the one I was really uh, deciding between. Uh, ended up going with the Cardinals, get them down at minus one. Uh, if you got it early, uh, you basically got it down at a pick em. So it was, you got to get those early lines. Uh, I think it's so important that we were talking about that too. Uh, and that brings me to uh, my next example. Well, let me he just go because let me just go really quick. Go you mentioned Arizona. I think that's going to, that's my early lean. And I'm not as confident as the Denver, New England one is last week. But right now I am looking at, and we'll confirm this on on Thursday, Carolina, Arizona teaser. We're fading. I mean, it's just, it's going back to the fade more than the team that you're betting on. We're going to get, we're going two road teams, just like I did last week. I know I love road favorites right now, but we're just going against Houston without another quarterback and going against Jacksonville. And it, and it has been confirmed that Deshaun Watson will not be active for this game. So don't even think that that's coming. But that's, I don't want to go down a tangent here. I know we're doing a quick Monday (laughs) episode, but like, you're not going to play Deshaun Watson, so you would play him if Tyrod Taylor gets hurt? Yeah. That, that, that makes make no sense. sense. If you're going to play him, play him. He's going to start over Tyrod Taylor. So Tyrod Taylor getting hurt should have nothing to do with Deshaun Watson, as has been. Right. Uh, so real quick, so talking about those look-ahead lines, uh, a week ago, 
just under a week ago, you could have had the, the, the Denver Broncos at minus six and a half against the Jets. It is yeah. now minus 11 as we record this podcast. Uh, even as, as early as last night, I was able to tease that down to uh, a half a point. It is no longer that way. It is not going to be that close anymore. Minus 11. I uh, still like them as a teaser piece down to minus five, but uh, you lost a lot of the appeal overnight, really. Um, since that's happened, the Jets just look absolutely abysmal. Teddy Bridgewater should be able to pick this team apart. Uh, still one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the league, one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the league. Uh, if Mac Jones was able to look as good as he did against the Jets, Teddy Bridgewater should have no problem there either. Uh, like using Broncos in a teaser piece, like I mentioned, but uh, you lost a lot of that value really overnight. Yeah. Um, see, the Broncos one, I don't even really want to tease. They should dominate. The Jets, what does six get you down to five? It's a weird number. Like the Broncos are almost that piece that I'm so confident. And I always make fun of you for going to three teams and getting greedy. But like there's a lot of seven and a halfs that get down to one and a half. Or you have the Ravens are nine point favorites against the Lions. The um, Bills are eight and a half point favorites at home against Washington, which I do think is a fine teaser piece to bring down to two and a half. I will admit that. Um but some of these, like this week, could shape up to like a three-team money line sure. parlay that you know two pieces aren't quite close enough, and Denver's the one that gets you to even money that you use to get in there. Like I, I could see that happening this week. One thing I do want to mention too: um, rare opportunity to get the Buccaneers right now. They're at plus one as we're talking about this tough matchup against the Rams. Uh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. But to get the Buccaneers. Uh, at plus seven, that is going to be a tough piece for me to stay away from the, to, to yeah. have them as plus seven uh, underdogs against the Rams. It is not going to be an easy game. That's going to be a game you're going to sweat, especially in that afternoon window at 425 if your afternoon if your early afternoon games hit. But this is a rare, rare opportunity for the Bucks, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I don't love teasing like pickums to a to to a touchdown, pickums sure. games to a touchdown. But yeah, I mean. I wish they didn't do Sunday night football week one for that blowout in LA so that we could have this be Sunday night football. Yeah. Then the bucks are on Sunday night football next week coming, you know, where to play, you know, who. So Mm. we have that coming up, which keep in mind, the look ahead line for that game was bucks minus three. I really wish I had some of that right now. We'll see where that one goes. Um, Really quick. Last thing I'm leaning to here is the saints visit the Patriots a rare total for me. I like under 43 in this game. Um, Really? I do. The Patriots scored 25 points against the Jets with four four interceptions from Wilson um, and held them to six. They held Miami to 17 in week one. The Saints scored seven points on the road last week against the Panthers' improved defense. I don't care about the 38 against the Packers. I, I think that's kind of fluky. Winston threw for five touchdowns with less than 150 yards. It's not like they were moving the ball. They were just getting it and dumping it into yeah. the end zone. I don't think we're going to see much offense in this game. Peyton and Belichick, their buddies, their football minds, they're going to scheme it up. Like, I really think that this is a – and I do like the Patriots. I'm, I doubt I'll play. The look-ahead line there was minus one. Now it's minus three. Um, I do like the Patriots there, but I, I see this being like a – weird get like a 19 to 16 Patriots win type of game. Well, the good thing is I'm going to have to stew on this 
and then I'll have an answer for our Thursday show. <laughs> wow, that was one heck of a transition by you. Um, all right, that's it for us on Monday, September 20th for the Unreasonable Odds podcast. Uh, thanks to Johnny Avello of DK Sportsbook, as always, for coming on, dropping the knowledge on um, where all the money is at the book. Um, you got a you got you got a recap from us. You got some Monday night picks from us. I think it's a really good prop game. You got some early week three looks from us. Um, but we will be back on Thursday with the real hard hitting analysis um, on week three. As usual, we will bring a guest, one of the best in the biz, who you will find out on Thursday who that is. Because I haven't booked anybody yet, but we're gonna have a really good guest. <laughs> awesome. Follow the Unreasonable Odds podcast on Twitter at Unreasonable Odd. Follow me on Twitter at Julian Edlow. Follow Steve on Twitter at SBCanon24. We will be back Thursday. The guest will be good, I promise. Thank you for listening to the Unreasonable Odds podcast. Robbie Ray, Cy Young. Mm-hmm.